Hello and welcome to the Interrobangs Red Couch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Kohler, and today I have the pleasure of being here with Konstantinos Drosos. How are you today? Good. How are you, Justin? I'm great. I hope I pronounced that also, by the way. <laughs> For the most part, I just know you as Coster. Yeah, either or works. <laughs> Uh, so for those who don't know you too, too well, can you just give a quick little kind of 30-second synopsis about, about you, just to summarize you really quick? My name's Konstantinos, obviously. said uh, I'm a huge, you know, writing enthusiast. I've, ever, I've always been since I was in high school, like grade 9. Um, I'm a huge, I'm big into music and video games, and currently I'm in the journalism broadcasting program, and I'm hoping to either get into music journalism or video game journalism. Which are both really, really cool spectacular i think both those in some way shape or form i have a, a bunch of journalists in both areas all over my social media especially for video game journalism like polygon and all that uh so love it do you have kind of like an uh, like a, an end goal destination that you'd like to end up for well you like mentioned right now for polygon or like the big one that we all knew growing up ign you know um that would that'd be pretty cool to work for them or to even work for a studio in their like internal pr team who like release public releases stuff like that about upcoming projects you know community stuff that'd be kind of cool to work in yeah 100 percent uh and so with that uh there's a lot of really really good video journalists outlet outlets out there and you actually come from the video game design program here at fanshawe college yeah i did i i started in 2018 straight out of uh, high school um and you know my whole idea was you know because growing up i wanted to be a writer for just in general right um, I was able to go to the video game design program to learn all the basics about you know, the industry. And, uh, you know, I, when I left there, I was like, okay, now I got the writing portion that I've always wanted to get done. So I was like, you know what? I can really use the journalism uh, program at Fanshawe to, to craft up my skills. But, you know, it'll help me sharpen my creative writing skills as well with, like, you know, different skills and whatnot. And uh, I think that was a good, that was a good uh, thing because, you know, a lot of writers who are currently, you know, um, working at studios – have a background in journalism and they made it, they jumped that ship in that in that sense from video game journalism to a studio working as a writer and i'm thinking i'm, ho I'm hoping i can follow the same suit yeah here's hoping uh and so jumping over to uh, from a very kind of technical creative program like video game design over to a, a more kind of writing based program like uh, broadcast journalism how was it making that adjustment for you from one program to the other you know it's interesting because um at game design you know i was there at the studio around the clock right so the work ethic the hard grind that you would do that you do in journalism you know is still there um what i will say that that's a little different and i think a really uh alleviating is is the workload right with game design you're working on these projects that you know are involved you know you need a, you need a lot of artistic um in, uh in, intellect and whatnot and i didn't have an art background going into that right so um going into into that was quite Difficult, and the same thing with um, you know, with writing, it's an art, right? You need somewhat of a background in that, and I did have that kind of edge because in high school I did creative writing and I did do different forms of essay writing and stuff. But again, like you spending hours at the college, you see the time roll by so quickly. It's like you realize it's eight a.m. 8 then it's like eight p.m. Next time you look at the computer, right, or the the clock. So, I think the work ethic, the you know, being punctual with your time and stuff like that, that kind of understanding and, and that training I had in game design was a nice way to ease into the journalism world you know with the the exception that you know it's not as demanding when it comes to what kind of projects you're doing and, and and the stuff you're doing you know with other people and stuff like that so it's hands-on but not as demanding I can definitely relate to that 
all too, too well, because yeah, for those who don't know, I also spent about a year, year and a half in that same video game design program. I was kind of the opposite of you though. I, I really thrived on like the digital drawing, uh, the, the, the more kind of concept style of it, less so the technical side with like the animation and the 3D modeling, I hated it. Uh, so <laughs> it's a little bit of the opposite. Um, and so uh, just to kind of go into a, a Fanshawe side a little bit, the two different programs that you've been in, the one is more downtown campus specific. The program you're in now is, is here on main campus for Fanshawe. What are some of the, the big differences that you've noticed between one campus? Yeah, I've actually talked about this quite a lot with my friends and my program and whatnot. And, you know, the, the cool thing about the downtown campus for me was how cool of a small knit kind of community it was, right? Because downtown, you're kind of on your own. You're a satellite campus in a sense. Um, unlike here at main campus, you have the Oasis and you have other, you know, restaurants. We just had the chef's table. We had the cover garden market. And it was nice because my friends and I, we'd be working late sometimes and we'd be, you know, leaving, we'd leave class, go and, and grab coffee and stuff and, and do things. But I know a lot of people don't know too, is that, you know, FSU does a lot of cool things down there too in the, in the commons area in the building that used to be the Kings Mill building, you know? Um, they do a lot of their own interesting things uh, in regards to, you know, different events, you know, having key speakers. Because the downtown campus has the culinary program, we had a very famous Canadian chef, Chef Michael, I forget his last name, come and give a give a, a talk there. And all everyone, even from my program, we went down, we visited him, and we watched him cook a cool dish, and we got to try a little bit of it, which is kind of cool, and um, stuff like that. And it was kind of interesting as well because even the culinary kids on Fridays, whenever they'd be baking, you know, fresh goods or something like that they give them out for free to students who were there in the morning right so we'd we'd go to class early in the morning at 8 a.m and then once we wrapped up our prof and i we'd and us we'd go right across the uh, ways to the to the culinary program and we'd grab a bite to eat it's one of the important things of, of doing a program down there is making friends with a culinary student exactly. early <laughs> uh and so shifting from from fanshawe kind of into the interrobang now uh, a lot of people listening will know you from working a lot over the summer. You were part of the, the, the uh, reporting team uh, throughout the whole summer with the Interrobang. Yeah. And you've done a couple episodes of the Interrobang podcast as well, the Red Couch podcast. Um, so now that you've shifted from a more newspaper-focused role back into the, the journalism program where we're doing a lot more on air, how has it been not only doing the shift from the one style to the other, but then also balancing the workload of the two now at the same time? You know, it's interesting. Um, the one thing I will do is, is you know, keeping less is more in, in the terms of details. Um, you know, with articles, you're writing things that are super detailed. And y with the print, this, the difference between print and on air is you have to keep that insane amount of detail, but in very few words. So you really got to be witty with your verbs and your nouns and whatever, your, your overall vocabulary and what you have. And one challenge was that, you know, when I came back from vacation and I entered the, you know, and I entered on the radio, I'd, it had been four months since my last broadcast, right? And one thing was, is, you know, how do I, how am I able to convey a story that's so rich in detail and convey it within a few sentences, right? And that was one challenge that I'm currently, you know, I'm, 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 I think myself, I'm doing, I'm progressing pretty well, but that was one thing that I noticed making the switch from print back to radio because you know before you and i you know we, we we were in our first year we didn't really know a lot about um about print right and getting the dot and then starting to work here at the interrobang helped you know um ease and find different workflows and work ethics that could help you craft a story you know that's 500 words long or more right so going back 
working forward and kind of going back to where you were before four months earlier, you know, with print and whatnot, because you're not doing web, um, you're doing you're doing both. That was quite a thing. Is keeping the the detail, but at a condensed form. Yeah, and each of the main kind of benefits for for either medium also kind of works as a bit of a con, like you said, where like for for uh, writing for on air, for for radio, for broadcasting, it's very clear, it's very concise, it really gives you the message really quick. But then with that, you can lose out a lot of the, on the details. And then on the more article writing side, the total opposite, you can kind of go into a little bit more details. You can provide a little bit more of the kind of story aspects of it as well, whatever you're covering. But a bit bit less clear, a bit less concise. Yeah, and the other benefit of working at the Interabang as well was it taught you different ways to help improve your creativity. So, for example, you know, I remember back in my last semester of, of first year, um, coming up with podcast ideas was quite a marvel because, again, when you're doing these 10-minute shows and you need to find people to talk to and what to talk about, right? Working at the podcast here was a really good step to help, you know, where to look for people, where to look for content and what people want to see. Um, coming up with ideas, you know, and even on my off time when I'd be on break, I'd spend a good hour or two just coming up with different article ideas, right, who to talk to uh, for podcasts and whatnot, and that it's, well, I'm still using that list that I made this past summer for content I want to produce at the X, right? So I think that's a quite a big benefit because it helped you, like I said earlier, create um, and sharpen your creative skills. And so now this is kind of a, a reporter rant episode. So now would be a really good time to start talking about uh, the issue that's coming out that should be releasing today, which is the di- diversity issue. What stories did you end up covering for uh, for this issue? So the one interesting thing that I talked about, um, and I had the privilege of speaking to a professor here from hockey culture, um, of hockey culture, uh, Claire Senior. Uh, I got to dive into the new WHPL, which is the new professional women's hockey league that was just established. You know, they're, I think they're trying to—they're hoping for that to be the next NHL, but for women, right? And what was cool about that was talking to Claire and getting her perspective on it. You know, what, whether we'll see co-ed hockey with you know females partaking in the OHL and stuff like that, but to also get the humanistic side of it, right? Like having you know how how little boys have the NHL to look up to this now gives little girls who want to become professional hockey players the chance to see their own role models showing them you know what hey we could do this as well right and to mention you know as well like some of these people who are partaking in the in the women's hockey league they're mothers and she made a good point uh, and Claire made a good point of, uh, of pointing out that you know these are people that are juggling you know lives of being mothers working another job as well but also playing the sport that they admired that they, they aspire to play from such a young age and I think the whole thing of just a new major league uh, sort of being made in front of us is actually really, really cool. So I know watching that draft in particular was a really cool experience to watch because it's just like it's not like every other year and every other sport where you're just oh you're drafting all the new the the new kids on the block, the new people coming out of high school, so on and so on. You're you're watching a whole sport league get drafted in front of your eyes, which was a really cool experience. And the great thing about that too that you brought that up is these are like these are also players that we know of, right? So like for example, Sarah Nurse was drafted into the into the league. Um, other big names from the Olympics that we that we saw growing up, they're now going to be a part of this league and a part of the six teams. And the best part is three of the six teams that are that are being introduced they've yet to release their names but they're all like three of them are canadian and three in the u.s so it's cool to see some canadian action there as well oh yeah especially uh just the canadian side always good to see a bunch of representation like i know hockey in general there's a lot of canadian teams when you look at other sports like like baseball or football there's less which which makes it tough to be a canadian fan but it is reassuring to see a brand new league being made and seeing an even 50 50 split of canadian and american teams uh, was that a big thing you covered for this issue? No, I actually covered, uh, this was kind of cool too, is 
like forms of coffee from around the world. And I got to talk about different forms. One, for example, that I talked about was uh, iced coffee from Greece, right? And when I was in Greece this past summer, I had no idea what this was, right? We had one that we grew up around here in Canada, but there were two other ones that I had no idea. And they're called, it's called Freddo Espresso. And what it is, it's espresso that's made into an iced coffee form. And you never, you never really see that around, right? And it's whipped with like a machine so i talked a little bit about that and i talked about turkish coffee because turkish coffee isn't like brewed in a in the sand yeah you heat up the sand and that's how they make it and they pour hot water and then the, the heat of the sand heats up the coffee and makes it that way you know and some other interesting ones for example like one was like cat poop that you know it, it, it's disgusting i know but it's a it's an extremely expensive form of coffee that's harvested from from fecal matter from cats which is quite interesting it made me think why is that you know so expensive but i guess people have their own tastes for delicacy <laughs> you know that, that way interesting is a really good word for it <laughs> that's awesome i'm kind of excited to read that i like all those details now that's pretty cool uh, and so you did mention uh, Greece. You are Greek, and you spent uh, part of your summer there. I know you had mentioned you were in Greece for actually a very interesting uh, time as well with everything that was going on in the world at the time. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, so there were some pretty big stories when I was there. I'll start off with the first one, was the fires. That's an ongoing thing with Greece every summer. There's a bunch of fires that break out across the country. Very sad thing, but when I was at a beach, um, I, w I almost dropped what I was doing to start reporting on it to send back to the X because I was there, right? But the, what happened was is there were helicopters going over over top of the uh, of the of the beach where I was at, and there weren't it was it wasn't just any normal helicopter. These were helicopters that you see on the news that have those big buckets that go down to like pools or, or, or other bodies of water to collect water to go and put over a fire. In the distance, where you saw around this land, like this part of the, uh, this this coastal line was huge smog and what happened is there was a man who was trying to get an insurance claim and he set his field on fire and it ended up burning i think it was like a portion of a village that wasn't a massive fire but they were able to get it under control but you saw we saw firefighters going back and forth on the highway helicopters and seeing that was quite like shocking because like you, you here in america when we see stuff like that happening it's on the tv screen when i was there it, it was above, above me right um, the other thing that kind of shocked a lot of Europe, especially where I was, was um, there was a man that was pushed off of a, of a boat. And the, the funny, the, not funny thing, but the thing that happened was the, 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 the day that altercation happened was a few hours after I arrived back from an island I just came back from. The ferry I was on, you could see in the video on the news, was parked right next to it, right? So it, that was quite interesting. But the fires, I think, was one that was... Like you're so used to it seeing it on the TV, but you were actually there on scene, right there as it was happening. So that was quite interesting. It is. It's it's kind of a mix of of cool and unnerving being that close to stories that have just happened. Even the floods. Even the floods too. Yeah. So it's 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 always just a, I guess a strange experience to be that close to it. Family about that because uh, towards the tail end of our of our trip, I forgot to mention it. There were mass floods that pretty much set a whole bunch of people displaced so many people displaced in the main regions around 200,000 people were displaced from all these floods and I looked at one area on the TV where it was and there was it looked like a like a river just running through an abandoned settlement right no I was there two weeks prior having a, uh, a euro in that in the town square and two weeks later it's chairs are being flushed away by uh, by overflowing water and whatnot so that was quite um like shocking as well it's it's something like you said yeah 
I know a lot of that, especially the the fires in particular. Canada was no stranger to it. Was a an eventful summer for that. I remember doing a lot of coverage, doing a lot of interviews, sort of localizing that whole angle as that was going on. But then to hear that it's oh, it's not just a Canada problem. Other countries around the world are also having the same problem right now was uh, just strange to read about as well. Um, so yeah, very very eventful summer, I guess, is one word for it. Yeah. <laughs> and so now at this point, you've been uh, reporting, doing journalism, uh, writing, performing for about, what, what would it be, like a year and a few months now? Um, throughout the whole time that you've been covering stories and reporting, what so far has been the most difficult story for you to cover? What's been the one that either you had to do a lot of grunt work on or either just mentally or emotionally was just the hardest one to, to write out? Yeah, um, last week I had the privilege of speaking with a local Londoner who has family trapped in Gaza. Um, I came in on a regular Monday morning, was looking through the local wire, and I see on the national wire, local London uh, Londoner has family trapped in, in Gaza, has heard nothing from Global Affairs Canada. And this is the same day that they announced that Israel, they were sending planes to Israel to extract people, but they hadn't announced it yet. So I jumped on that opportunity, and I was, and I was able to track down um, the, inter the person I interviewed at their job. And I, had, I, was, I was privileged to have a good four-minute you know, interview with them. And I, the same night, I published the story to air. But um, what was difficult was, even as a journalist, but uh, you know, cultivating the questions to get the information at such a, at such a touchy time, right, with what's going on. It's devastating. When you're asking these questions, you know, these people, you're reminding these people of what's going on in their family. And as a journalist, for myself, I'll just say myself, that was quite – it was an experience trying to, you know, get that on the go. Um, and luckily, you know, I, I put the story to the air, but afterwards I just realized, you know, what times we're living in right now and what's going on. And that story, um, not only was I very thankful for the lady who took the time out of her day and what she's, what's, going, what's going on with her and her family to speak with me, but to get to put that on the air, uh, you know, and, 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 and get that story out there because that was, that was something. That was a very, very um, – it was something, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, and I, that's probably – I think that would be one of the, the most difficult things about being a, a reporter, a journalist in general – is a lot of what we do, a lot of our jobs are based around communicating information to people. And it's it's the stories that are the, the, the tougher ones, the, the harder ones, the slightly more emotional ones that get really, really tough to, to separate you as a person from you as a journalist being like, oh, I, I need to communicate this story across. I need to hear these people out. But man, is it is it hard not to, to really put myself in those shoes and put myself where they are emotionally and hold back the emotions long enough to kind of get the story across it's also a good better way as well i'd say as to educating yourself as a person right that's one thing that's kind of rewarding about being a journalist is educating yourself on current global affairs your issues that are going on within society um you know and i'm very thankful to be in this position to to have those you know lessons taught to me and of course there are the countless pros of being a journalist and there are the stories that you get to talk about on complete opposite end which are incredibly wholesome, incredibly uplifting and lovely. So it's it's just balancing the two kind of sides of all the stories. 
Uh, and so, uh, Costa, just to end off, I every person that I interview on this podcast, I like to end with a little lightning round of quick little shotgun questions. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. <laughs> More used to you. Um, so the key thing is just to answer it as quick as you can. Not think too, too much about it. None of it's going to be too crazy uh, until I slip in. Uh, what's your social insurance number in there? Oh, <laughs> I'll give you that off the record. Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, and so to get right into it, do you have a favorite food? Euro. I love Euro. Yep. That's a good pick. Uh, I know. I wish there were more places in my general vicinity where I could get more just Greek food across the, the board. I used to go mostly to the Four Seasons down on the, the northwest end. Um, that used to be one of them. Love that place. Yeah. Uh, favorite uh, music artist? Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Love, yeah, love them, yeah. Solid pick. Solid pick. Uh, do you have a favorite movie? Um, you know what? I was thinking about this. Earlier today, it, I was thinking about Twilight. Saw that. Twilight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Twilight. I, I do softball every week, and one of the key things I'm trying to do is replicate Jasper's, like, bat flip thing from Twilight that he does. Yeah. I am way less graceful about it than, uh, than Jasper is. <laughs> uh, uh, summer or winter? I'm, I like both, but I'll just stick uh, Canadian. I love winter. Hockey season's my favorite, so. Safe call, safe call. I, I'm not afraid of saying I hate winter. Winter sucks. <laughs> uh, are you more of a city person or a country person? City. City, city uh, yeah. I hear you. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Iced is my, it's my go-to. See, I weird, I, anytime I have coffee, even it could be 40 degrees outside and I'll still have hot coffee. For some reason, I just don't do iced or cold brew coffee and all that. For some reason. Uh, I mean, coffee's coffee at the end of the day, but. <laughs> uh, do you have a, a favorite hobby? Uh, playing music. I'm a drummer. I'm also a pianist, and I love learning new songs and exploring different music as well. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. Are there any songs that you're kind of learning at the moment? Uh, I've been trying to learn um a lot of the. There's one band that I came across. Uh, I forget their name, but they have a, a, a song called "Youngest Daughter" and has like a very heavy grunge tone. So I'm trying to learn all these different artists. Yeah, I like them. It's a new song. And last little one. Do you have a favorite celebrity at all? Hmm. Favorite celebrity? I'd probably have to say um, uh, Sacha Baron Cohen, Borat. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 he's funny. A lot of different roles. A lot of people kind of picture Sacha Baron Cohen as oh, yeah. the funny one. Oh, yeah. But then even seeing, I think he did uh, I think he did Sweeney Todd with um, like Johnny Depp and all them too. So. Interesting. I don't think I've seen that, but yeah, he's good. He, seri whether the role's serious or whether it's, it's, it's funny, he's always got, he always fits the bill perfectly. He's great. Yeah. Uh, and so that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Thank you for jumping on. Thank you for having. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, and so this has been the Interrobang's Red Couch podcast. You can listen to previous and future episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to catch our next issue, which hits shelves today, or on our website at theinterrobang.ca, where you can stay up to date on all things Fanshawe. For the Red Couch podcast, I'm Justin Kohler. <laughs>